You're standing on the edge of your promise. And yet for some reason you can't take the step forward. Call it fear, call it unbelief. Or maybe it's the list of one million excuses that seem perfectly logical why you can't just take the step. It's like you're looking into the promised land, seeing God's goodness, and all you can focus on are the giants walking around. And so right now, you don't need another pep rally. You don't need another list of of platitudes that make you feel really good. You need Holy Spirit-saturated encouragement. You need a word from the mouth of God to encourage you to keep going forward. You need Him to cut through the noise and the chatter, the voice of the enemy and the unbelief, to get to the heart of the matter. You aren't made to sit on the sidelines of your promised land. You are made for supernatural faith. It's time you take that step forward. This broadcast is for the one desperate for encouragement. Hey, hey, love. Welcome to For the One. Today's broadcast is For the One Desperate for Encouragement. Maybe life has got you down lately, like really down, <laughs> and you need someone to pick you up. You need that, that spiritual encouragement that breathes life into your dry bones again. Maybe you've got circumstances that are hard-pressed around you, and you need that resilience again. You need that wind in your sails. Or maybe you're just in this waiting period, and the waiting period just doesn't end. <laughs> And you're like, I just need someone to be in it with me and help me to keep enduring and to keep persevering. Wherever you may be at, I just know that you're desperate. You're at the point where you're about to give up and you need someone to stand with you and say, hey, don't do that. Don't give up. This is the podcast for you. This is the episode for you. Now, if you're new here, I'm Laura Dudek. I'm the the host of For the One. I'm a, a speaker, an author. I founded Ruah and Ember, a women's ministry based in Cleveland, Ohio. And my goal, my passion in life is to disciple women leaders. And P.S., if you are a woman, you are a leader. So that's a little encouragement for you right out the gate. If you are a woman, you are in the kingdom of God, you are a leader. So today's episode is really, I think it's a little different, honestly, because there are these moments when Jesus takes me on these beautiful rabbit trails. <laughs> like I, it's just crazy. It's the craziest experience. And he starts in, in one scripture and then we just end up going all over the place. But there's such a, just a, a beautiful story that unfolds and, and powerful moments that, that literally blow my mind. And so I was even reminded yesterday. So we have someone who comes over to watch our, our son. Her name is Brooke. Shout out, Brooke. Love you. And I just got to unfold all of what Jesus was talking to me about. And there, in those conversations, when I get to share what Jesus is telling me, there's such, I feel like a, like a fire hose that's just been like bursting. And because there's so much and it's just all so good. And so I want to take you into that journey. And I want to have that moment, kind of like what I have with Brooke of like, I just want to tell you what Jesus is saying to me. And it may seem a little crazy. It may be a lot, maybe like that fire hose. It's just, you're like, okay, this is just so much. But I know, I know that if you trek with me, this is going to be so powerful. The stuff I'm about to tell you, it blew my mind. And some of these things I didn't even know 
after years of, of being in seminary and studying the word. So I am so excited to just to lay this out for you. Now, I've created a little cheat sheet for you. So if you need some some path, if essentially to help you, I don't know, just grab hold of these ideas and see the scriptures and all that, um, you can actually download it on my website. So if you go to lauradudak.com backslash for the one, all spelled out. So it's lauradudak.com backslash for the one. It's in the show notes. You can actually download um, a little show note for this episode. And so it'll give you all the scriptures. It's really pretty. I love designing beautiful things. So you can just put in your email and then it'll send right to your inbox. So if you want to listen and then go back and watch uh, or read through the notes, I think that'll even help you, you know, really grab hold of these concepts. So Okay, can I pray first? Because I really feel like I need to pray first. Okay, so Jesus, I thank you so much for this woman right here listening. I thank you that she has ears to hear and a heart that is soft. Father, I thank you that you have made your word come alive in a beautiful way and that you you weave in this tapestry of grace and power and uh, and your mercy all throughout scripture. And I thank you, Lord, for this storyline that you have just wrote written on my heart in the last couple of days. And I pray that you would speak Father, so powerfully that you would unlock our minds to understand your truth in a different way, that you would give us revelation that is fresh. And Father, ultimately, that you would encourage us wherever we may be at in our own stories. Father, we ask that you would bless this time. Holy Spirit, show up. We just consecrate these moments for you, Holy Spirit. It's in your mighty name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, I'm going to get a little vulnerable first to start off. So this whole deep dive, I'm literally like putting my hands over all my notes. This deep dive that I've been doing with Jesus started on Saturday, on Sunday, Monday. Okay. So we've been in, you've, you have been talking about our house hunt and it's been about a two year process. I say three because it feels like three, but it's really only two. And, you know, we've been really you know, pressing hard after finding a house. So every weekend we're at countless open houses. We're doing appointments. We're on Zillow constantly. It's just a journey. I mean, if anyone is there, give a shout out because it is crazy. And it's been this process with Jesus in the last few years of really trusting him. And the trust has been tried because he's been very specific about what we're supposed to have. And it's been a home, but it's also been a place for ministry. And so we've really wanted to have this beautiful barn, even if it's just not beautiful, but you know, we would turn it into something beautiful. And so having a barn, having a little bit of land, and it being a place where we would live, but also a place for ministry, um, so that Rua and Number could have a little home base for our events. And this whole time, the Lord has been telling me, don't compromise, don't settle, do not compromise. And I talked about that in one of my previous episodes. And so I've been mulling over this and I feel like I've been getting little words here and there from scripture to encourage me to to not settle. But it's really hard when you have houses that come up that are less than what he has, what you believe you're called to. And it's it's really hard to not just take it and be like, okay, I want to be done with this, you know? And especially in the last week or so, the market has been so crazy. And you just have that moment of like, God, is it even possible for us to have what you're calling us to invest in? Because we can't afford, <laughs> we can't afford it. <laughs> it's just not possible. I'm in ministry. Like, it's just not going to happen. 
And so I had this moment of really doubting that I couldn't compromise, if that makes sense, like that I would have to compromise because it just wasn't possible. And so we had seen, I think it was like six open houses on this past weekend. And I was just defeated. You know that moment you're like, I'm just done. I'm just tapped. I'm exhausted. And on top of that, this past week, we I lost um, a hero of faith in my life and had a lot of other swirling circumstances and you know, people telling me they have cancer and friends who are going through stuff. I'm like, Jesus, this is just too much. It's just too much. And I just feel like right now I'm really struggling to believe that you have me and that you have that home for me to settle and to take a deep breath and to rest and to have that moment with you of knowing that you came through. And so Sunday, Monday, I was so stuck in pain and so doubtful that I could actually persevere in faith for what God called us to invest in, what he called us to wait for and not settle on. And so I'm working through all of this unbelief in my heart and really struggling because like there's continually houses coming up and you're like, well, should I just settle for that? Like, that's almost it. That's almost it. Should I just go for that one? Just have like call it quits, be done. And I, I went to the word, which is what we should do as Christians, right? So I went to the word and I was reading in my devotional about Hebrews and Hebrews just keeps coming up over and over again. So I start reading into Hebrews and he starts unpacking this powerful picture of the word of God and the word of God and what it means for us in our current spiritual battles and our current circumstances that seem like they're too much or they seem like reality is going to make us, um, is going to defeat us. It's going to overpower us. It's going to consume us. And what he unfolded started chipping away at that unbelief. And I had to start declaring to myself that I could believe. I don't know if anyone has been there before when you're like, I just feel like I can't shake this, but I know I have to start declaring it to myself. I have to start declaring it and preaching it to my own heart, to my own soul. And I have to grab hold of this truth, this spiritual reality, and put it on my heart until it like meshes and I believe it. So here it is. Hebrews 4. So Hebrews 4 starts off, verse 1, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God said, so I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet this work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words, on the seventh day, God rested from all of his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. He goes on, verse six, therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day calling it today. This he did when it was long a long time later he spoke through David as in the passage already quoted today if you hear his voice do not harden your hearts for if Joshua had given them rest God would not have spoken later about another day verse 9 there remains then a sabbath a sabbath rest for the people of God 
For those who enter God's rest also rest from their own work, just as God did from his. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. The last piece here, for the word of God is active and alive, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We're going to end on this verse 12, for the word of God is active and alive. We're going to end there, but I want to give us context first because context literally blows this up in a whole new way that I didn't ever consider before. So if you trek through Hebrews 4, the interesting thing is it actually references a number of other scriptures. So you kind of follow this rabbit trail, if you will. So when you first read verse 1, Therefore, since the promise of entering this rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to fall short of it. Like, this is your moment right now. I don't want you to fall short. Listen, you have something on your life right now that you've been contending for, hoping for, praying for, working towards, sacrificing for, and I don't want you to give it up just because you are feeling defeated, down and out, doubtful, wanting to just throw in the towel, just tired, whatever it is, whatever the thing is that's on your life right now, I don't want you to give up and fall short of what God has, the promise of what God has. This is the pep talk that I needed two days ago. Because listen, God has called you to something. There is a command that is on your life right now. I feel like you know it. You're like, this is what I'm called to. I know that I'm supposed to be contending for this. I know that I'm supposed to be working towards this. I was supposed to do this one thing. I was supposed to walk out in this obedience. And I'm just stuck. I'm just stuck on the edge of my promise. And I can't go forward. This is your moment to get that like that deep breath of courage to walk forward. Because it says, that since, since the promise still stands, let no one fall short of it. I'm not going to let you fall short of that. This is, this is your moment, okay? Verse 3. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Believed. And we've talked about belief on the podcast before. It was the last episode, right? That believe is to trust. And so we who have trusted God enter the rest. We're going to get into that. We're going to loop it all around. But verse 6 says, Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience, God again set a certain day, calling it today. And so we see this connection that it's disobedience that came from unbelief. So they didn't enter the rest. They didn't go into the promised land because they didn't believe. You're like, yes, Laura, I have heard this before, but trust me, it gets so good. So he says, verse seven, so he called it today. Today is the day that you're not supposed to harden your heart. Well, where do we get that from? When you specifically see in verse three, and then again in verse seven, they specifically quote Psalm 95. Now, what is Psalm 95? Oh my gosh, we're going to go there right now. This is so exciting. Oh my goodness, guys, this is like what Jesus and I do all the time. And he takes me on these wild goose chase. It's just amazing. Okay, Psalm 95, specifically verses 7 through 11. Today, 
If you only would hear his voice, hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in Meribah, as you did on that day, Massa, I think is how it is, in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did for 40 years. I was angry with that generation. I said, they are people whose hearts go astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. What is he talking about? Those specific references in verse eight, do not harden your hearts as you did in Meribah and Massa. It means, Meribah actually means quarreling or rebellion, and Massa means testing. And these are specifically referring to Numbers 14. Does anyone remember what Numbers 14 is? All you spiritual like theologians. It's talking about Canaan, the land of Canaan, when Joshua and the spies and Moses They're all on the edge of promise and they spy out the promised land and now they're all grumbling in their own way and they can't go forward to actually lay hold of the promised land that God said. Why? Well, we go into Numbers 14. So Numbers 14, Numbers 13 is all them exploring Canaan. Okay, so if you need context, you can go back and read that. So they they go, they spy it out, and what do they see? They see giant people, and they're like, oh, we're grasshoppers in their eyes, so we're not going to be able to defeat them. So Numbers 14 says, that night, all the members of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. Is anyone there? <laughs> Even reading that, I'm like, yeah, that's that's been me in the last couple of days. I feel like I've been raising my voice on walks with Jesus and crying. You know, that's just the moment. The scripture is just so real, right? All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron, and the whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness. Again, it's like so relatable. We, especially as women, we go to the extreme, right? If like, if I should, if I should just go back to, to prison, I would be better than this. And you're like, really, girl? Really? That's where we're going to go? Okay. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Ooh, yes. Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Then it goes on. Verse six, Joshua and Caleb, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Can I just say that again? We will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But what happens? The whole assembly talked about stoning them. Numbers 14 shows the the hearts of the Israelite people, people chosen by God to be an example of their distinct relationship with him, with Yahweh. And yet, yet they cannot get over their unbelief. And they're so afraid of being slain by the inhabitants of their promised land that they give in to fear and they just refuse to move forward. And so they've already determined the promised land is unsafe, The reality is, quote unquote, that we can't defeat them. 
reality is saying that they're bigger than us, they're stronger than us, that they already have their their ground, if you will. We're going to be infiltrating them. There's no way that we can go into that and be safe. So better be safe than sorry. We're just going to stay right here. And again, I don't know if that that kind of messes with you a little bit in your own life where you're like, man, how many times have I done that this week? And thought, well, reality tells me a different story than the spiritual reality that Jesus is asking me to believe. There's been a promise that God has asked you to believe. There's been a command that he's asked you to follow through on. There's been an assignment that you have been given. And now that you stand on the edge of that promise, and you see the reality of opposition in front of you, you want to just give up. You have a million reasons in your head why that's not going to work, why you can't do it, why you can't reconcile that relationship, why you can't quit that job, why you can't believe God for that specific calling. There's a million excuses and you're just saying, well, that's just reality. It's just not going to happen. But what if, what if, It's really just fear dictating your story. What if God was calling you to believe him that, as Joshua said, we will inhabit that land and we will devour them because their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid. There is a direct connection here between disobedience and unbelief. When we have unbelief in our lives, in our hearts, that we have given authority, it leads us to disobedience. And just as Hebrews said, when you have disobedience and unbelief, the root is unbelief, you don't enter the promise. You don't enter the rest. Now, the rest that Jesus is talking about, that God is talking about in the scripture is multifaceted. So in that context, we know that it's a specific promised land, which is modern day Palestine. So you have this land that they're called to that would give them provision, God's presence, protection. It's this place of of ultimate provision and peace. That's their physical promised land, and that's rest for them. But in in the New Testament, the context is, is expanded because it's now God's heavenly abode. It's God's restful presence. It's this heavenly rest that Jesus gives us. So there's this call for us to persevere to get to that rest, to not let unbelief hold us back on the edge so that we're just grumbling and complaining and stuck in the wilderness, stuck right on the edge of that promise. Hebrews 4, so we return back to our home base here, Hebrews 4, and specifically verse 11 says, Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Their example is, of course, the Israelites. And it says, make every effort. So that that phrase right there, that word, also means to strive or to hasten. But it's not as in you are just like working in in this hurried, frantic state of like, we got to get there. We got to get there. Like you're just like making it happen, right? You're striving to it in our modern day translation of striving, but it's a persevering and an effort to achieve it. So it's that persevering, enduring faith that just keeps you moving. 
And I love this quote was, persevering faith is the mark of true conversion. So if you have truly encountered Jesus, called him your savior, the, the benchmark, the earmark of that saving relationship is that you would have a persevering faith. You would keep going even in the face of adversity. You would keep going even when times look bleak. Even when you feel like your faith is down, you would still keep going. Especially in these moments when you stand between a rock and a hard place, between your promised land and the wilderness, and you're just there, and there's a reality that's facing you that is counter to what Jesus has told you. And fear seems like the very logical response to have. Now, in my life right now, I am working this out, if I'm honest. I am working this out because I'm, I'm still wrestling through, okay, Jesus, okay, you told me not to give up not to compromise, not to settle. Okay. But reality is also telling me, is it really, are you really going to come through? Like, is that house going to pop up on Zillow? Are we going to get it? Are we just going to be stuck where we are forever? Like you've all those lingering questions, (laughs) but I'm working that out of, okay, I have to keep persevering. I have to keep believing. I have to keep shedding off these beliefs that are telling me that I can't trust, that that fear has the bigger word. It has the louder voice in my life. Now, listen, you are in the middle of that place too. I feel like you've been trekking for a really long time in your promise and you have poured your blood, sweat, and tears into this calling into this act of obedience. You are tired. You are exhausted. You have been working and toiling. You have been pouring everything into this to be faithful to what God has called you to. It's not like you're on the day one of your journey. You're on day like 150 of this thing. And you have been enduring and you have been pouring your heart out and you've been praying and begging. And you're just like, okay, God, I'm ready to enter in the promise. And then you're right there on the edge. And it's like this simple giant in front of you wants to, wants you to back up and give to sacrifice it all. And you look at the giant in front of you of reality, quote unquote, and you're like, well, I guess we're just not going to get there. After all this time and after all this effort and after all this prayer and all these sacrifices and these late nights and these prayer meetings and scripture declarations, I've got post-it notes of scriptures all over my flipping house, right? You're like, is this really what's going to take me out? Is this giant right in front of me? And you are tempted right now to just give up, to just settle, to just throw in the towel. Maybe you just need, you're going to like sidestep a little bit. And so you're thinking, well, I know I have to forgive this person. I feel like there's, there's someone listening who needs to forgive someone and reconcile a relationship and you just keep putting it off. And you're like, yeah, but the giant in front of me tells me that they're, they're going to lash out at me. They're going to blame me that it's not going to go well and I'm going to feel like junk afterwards. And so therefore, I'm just going to sidestep around it. Like I'm just going to go around that to, to continue on my journey. And the Lord is like, no, no, that's actually the place you're supposed to be because that's where my presence is in that reconciliation of that relationship. I feel like there are other people that you have had a dream on your life for a really long time. And it's been something that you keep stuffing down and saying, well, everything else is more important. Everything else is more timely. Everything else demands my attention. It's louder than this thing that's been relatively quiet for some time. And so the giant in front of you is is time, attention, bandwidth, priorities that just keep popping up in front of you. Even And so it's like you're it's, it's almost like that picture of um, 
a, a child who is behind like in a, in a crowd for a parade or something and you've got all these adults lined up you know front row and then there's a child behind and they're trying to pop to see right like I feel like your dream is that little child is like trying to pop their head above the crowd to see trying to get the atten- your attention and it's like I just can't get beyond this because you've got other priorities and other things that are popping up that are distractions. You've got other reasons like, oh, financially, I can't do this. Schedule-wise, we can't do this. And, and it's just like all these adults are these distractions that are keeping you from actually giving bandwidth to that dream. That's like a little child that needs your attention. There are a million other things that you could be going through right now, but I feel like you need to know you can't compromise in this moment. Now is not your moment to give in to unbelief. It's just not your moment. Shake off the unbelief. We're going to get there. Oh, this is going to get so good. Okay, Hebrews, we're going back in. Let us, us, we are in it together. You're not in it alone. I have so many women of faith in my life right now that know when I'm in a moment of down and out, like, wah, wah, okay, Laura is struggling a little bit. They literally are breathing so much life into me. And I had a friend, a conversation with a friend, even on Monday when I was struggling through all this. And we were talking about getting another house and it was maybe a compromise. I'm not really sure. Praying through it. And she was like, is that settling to you? And it was just a simple thing. It was a simple question, but it rocked me. And it was just her faith for me in that moment meant so much to know that there was someone else who was believing for me and with me and making sure that I didn't give up on the thing, on the word, the promise that God had for me. And maybe you need someone in your life right now that you can tell them like, hey, this is the promise. This is the thing that I'm called to. And I'm feeling like I'm going to give up. I feel like I'm I'm just struggling with unbelief and with doubts and insecurities. And I just need you to believe for me. I just need you to believe with me. Scripture says, let us, let us make every effort. We are together in this. Hebrews 4, 12 then goes on. This is where it gets so good. Oh my gosh. So the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. I love this beautiful book. I've talked about it before. It's called Sparkling Gems by Rick Renner. He's incredible. He goes into a deep dive into into Greek words, and it's incredible. So that word, literally the word word, in this context actually means rhema. So there's two forms of word in scripture. So there's the logos or there's rhema. Logos is the inspired word of God. So it's scripture. It's the Bible. Rhema is a specific quickened word of God. And by that, it's actually when a scripture comes alive to you in such a way that it's empowered by the Holy Spirit in order to apply to a certain situation in your life or to give you direction. And so it's that quickened, like, you know how you're going through a a situation and you're praying through it and all of a sudden, like the Lord gives you a scripture and it empowers you in a way that, that you didn't have two seconds before that, that verse dropped into your heart. That's the rhema word. And it's powerful. So it's the quickened word of God. That's paired with two-edged sword. So it is a double-edged sword. That word, two-edged, double-edged, it's actually diastomos. And so it's di is two. 
Stelmos is mouth. I didn't know if you knew that. That's crazy, right? We always think about it just like a sword with, you know, two sharp blades, but it actually is two mouthed. And that comes specifically from Revelation 1.16, where it's describing, it's John on the island Patmos, and he's, he's hearing the voice of the Lord, and then he sees the Lord, and in when he sees him, he describes it as, out of his mouth went a sharp, two-edged, double-edged sword. So how does this connect? The, the two-edged, so the first edge is the mouth of God. And so that is the rhema word of God. When the rhema comes from the Lord into our spirit, that is the first edge of the sword. So the second edge is when we speak it. So the two edged means that we have to have agreement with what God has said, with the rhema word, and we start declaring it. So specific examples. Oh, it's just so good. The scripture is just so cool, ladies. I love it. So examples of rhema. Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, the rhema of God. Ephesians 6, 17, which is the armor of God. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word, the rhema of God. The last one, if, if you abide in me and my words, rhema, abide in you, you ask you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. That's John 15, 7. That's the rhema word of God. There is power in the rhema word. And even as it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the rhema word. It's just so good. So when you have specific examples of the rhema word of God, these are specific situations when the rhema word empowered people in scripture. When Jesus told Peter to cast the fishing, fishing nets on the other side of the boat, Peter answered, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, Rhema, I will let down the net. That's in Luke 5, 5. When the angel told Mary that she would have a child, Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word, Rhema. Luke 1, 35. God gave John the message he was to preach as the forerunner to Christ. The word, rhema, of God came to John. Luke 3, 2. So you have these specific situations when the leaders of faith in scripture had a very real reality in front of them that was counter to what God was asking them to do. You had Mary, who was a virgin, who was told that she would give birth to God's son. And yet she says, be it according to your word, your rhema word. Peter, Lord, we've been fishing all night. It, it, we, we are not getting any fish here. But if you say to put the net on the other side, by your word, by your rhema, we will do it. And what happens? They fill up on fish. What happens to Mary? She births the son of God. That's the rhema word that empowers you in faith like you didn't have one moment before you received that word. Then you read in John 6, 65, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. In Matthew 4, 4, it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's the rhema word of God. See, the power comes when we hear the word of God, we hear the voice of God. 
and he drops that word, that scripture in our hearts, and then we declare it. So it comes from the mouth of God and then out of our mouth. There's an agreement that is made that is almost a covenant that you are building with that scripture, with that truth. And you are leaning on that and saying yes and amen to that. And that is being declared out of your mouth. Not unbelief, not fear, not doubt, not anxiety. It's truth. See, God's promise is tied to the agreement with belief. It is the agreement with belief. That's how we pierce through unbelief. And this is really where the Lord was like, was working on my own heart. Because if we believe this, the rhema word of God that comes in these exact moments, when you are standing on the edge of your promise and you want to give up and you don't want to go forward because reality is telling you a million reasons why you should be afraid or shouldn't believe or shouldn't move forward. And you can, I have that word drop in your spirit, that one scripture, and then you start declaring it out of your mouth. That is what, as scripture says in Hebrews, that is what piercing pierces through unbelief. And he gives specific examples. He says, soul and spirit, joints and marrow, thoughts and attitudes. So if you think about it, your soul is the place, it's, it kind of follows your spirit. So your soul is where your feelings happen, your desires, your affections. Um, that's the seat of those places. And your soul will, will follow what it sees. So if reality is telling you that you should fear or that you should doubt or God's word will never come to pass because of X, Y, and Z. You'll believe it. And it's interesting. An interesting fact is that the average person has 1,200 words of self-talk a minute. And 1,100 of those are negative. And the crazy thing is that we believe, we, we trust ourselves the most. We trust our own voice. So when we talk to ourselves, we think that's the highest authority many times. So if you have 1,200 words a minute that you are saying to yourself and 1,100 of those are negative, are unbelief, you're going to live a life of unbelief. You're going to keep going in that that train ride and it's not going to stop. So when scripture says that it's the word of God, it's the rhema that pierces through belief, it means that you have to start dissecting what you are allowing in your brain what you are allowing in your thoughts, what you are allowing to ruminate in your heart, what you are saying out loud. And it actually cuts away like a surgeon, the the unbelief, the wrong belief, the lesser belief that holds you back from fully living in freedom and redemption and reconciliation and everything that God has for you. But this is the moment. Just like the Israelites stood on the edge of their promise and they lingered in fear and let that be built up so much. Like their self-talk was, we're going to get defeated. We are unsafe. We're going to go in the promised land and they're going to kill us. And that's going to be the end of the story. And, And they believed it because it was coming out of their own mouth. But what if, what if they had started proclaiming, no, but we will devour them. God is with us. They are unprotected. We should not fear. We don't have to fear. Then they would start believing it and it would build up a current of faith in their own hearts where they would walk forward and they would actually take hold of that land. And so maybe you're at this point right now where you're like, well, you know, my soul is believing. I am believing that this fear is going to consume me and that there's no way through. If you keep talking like that, Yeah, self-fulfilling prophecy, you're going to be there. You're going to stay there. But what if right now you actually ask Jesus for a rhema word of God 
that would drop into your spirit and you would start proclaiming it with your own mouth and you would cut through that wrong belief, cut it out, and then you'd be able to walk forward in everything that God has for you. This is that moment when you get to pierce through the darkness. You look at even like the joints and the marrow. Those are so specific. They're so integral and, and connected. And yet the Lord says that's a, it's a picture of him being able to dissect through even the inmost parts to pierce through and divide. And maybe right now you honestly feel like there's so much heaviness and you don't know why you don't believe. You don't know why you can't have faith. And even in your desire to have faith, you're like, I don't even know if I have the faith to believe that I could have faith or the faith to figure out why I don't have faith. That's a tongue twister. But the Lord says, when I speak, when you hear my voice, it will cut through the unbelief and the belief. And I will show you where that comes from. Today, I feel like you need to know that there's a rhema word for you. And it's time to start declaring that. It's time to start believing that. Because there is something right now that the Lord wants to drop into your spirit, a scripture that you should be proclaiming over your life, that you should be declaring over your circumstances and you should go forward knowing that when you're declaring that truth, that scripture, that proverb, that, uh, that Ephesians verse, whatever it may be, you know that you are actually piercing through the darkness because that's what we're made to do. We are made to pierce through and push back the darkness. We are made to take territory of these areas and our callings and our workplaces and our homes and our schools. We need to take back our schools. And we're only going to do that if we take the reign of word of God and the living, the logos word of God, and we use it as a weapon yielded for the kingdom of God to pierce through and cut off the head of the enemy. That is what we are made to do. And I just feel like right now you need to know that what isn't like what is waiting for you in the promised land, what looks like a giant that's going to defeat you, you are made to cut off its head. You are made to defeat it, to devour it in Jesus's name. You are stronger than you think through Christ. You have wisdom that is waiting for you in the Holy Spirit. You have authority waiting for you through the power of your testimony. Do not forget your testimony and where you have walked through. Listen, just because you are doubting right now does not negate the last 150 days, the last 300 days, the last 30 years or 10 years that you've been walking with Christ. Just because you're doubting right now doesn't mean that it disregards everything that you just walked through and every ounce of faith that you had. You are not starting over. And you may be coming alive in this season and you're like, okay, I'm just coming back to this thing and I'm just coming back to faith and I'm, I'm starting to like feel alive again and, and I'm getting excited about Jesus again and I'm back in church and yeah, like let's do this. Let me run after my call. And you have that faith to, of like, okay, I want more. I want more. And I want to encourage you that you're not starting over. You may be in a point of, okay, I got to make a decision to have faith. It doesn't make you lesser. It doesn't make you lesser of a Christian because you're facing this battle. The enemy loves to get us to believe, well, there's giants in the promised land, so you must have really, you know, messed that one up. There's a lot of fear that's just facing you right now. There's a lot of reasons why 
you can't go forward. And man, it's really your fault. You should have seen this coming and you should have been able to defeat them before we even got here. And so now you're just, you're in your own battle before you even step up to take them down. And you, you need to know this is just part of your story to take victory, to push back the darkness, to claim more territory. As scripture says, that's what we're supposed to do for the kingdom of God. This is what you're made for. If you're desperate for encouragement, you need to know that you're made for this battle. And as you stand on the edge of your promise, you are made for this. And the Lord isn't leaving you alone to do it on your own, to fight on your own, to be left to your own devices or your own strength. He's literally going to drop that rhema word in you that empowers you in such a way that you are going to yield it and wield it for the kingdom of God. And the enemy is not going to be able to stand a chance against you. He's just not. See, the crazy thing is that even if you look in Numbers 14, if we just go back there for like a hot second, Numbers 14, the, the thing that they say, the thing that the Israelites say is, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? And the enemy would love, love to get you to believe that the very thing that the, that the Lord is giving you to fight against him is the thing that's going to take you down. Like the promise that you had is actually the thing that's going to defeat you. Very real, realistically, my, my battle, my journey with this house hunt, it almost took out my trust for a long time. And that was the story, the narrative of the enemy of like, well, you just can't trust him anymore. You were supposed to trust him that he would have a house for you and now you don't trust and now you're just a terrible leader and you're a terrible Christian. He goes on and on. He's just a chatterbox about dumb things. But you need to know you're not going to die by the sword. You are made to, to wield that sword and use it against him. That's the thing that's going to take him out. So I want to pray for you. I pray this encouraged you because this is a wild goose chase with Jesus, right? And I just love it so much because this is how Jesus talks to me. But I want to pray for you. So if this is you, this is where you're at and you're, you're, just, you're just mulling in this unbelief. And maybe you can't even pinpoint what it is, but you're just knowing that you, you are desperate for encouragement. You are desperate to walk forward in what God has for you. And you are tired, tired of giving the enemy bandwidth in your life. So if this is for you, let's go. Let's pray for this thing, okay? You ready? So as we always start, I want you to take a deep breath. Would you just take a minute to listen for Jesus? I just feel like there's been a lot of shame because you've had this unbelief. Um, and speaking as a female leader, um, even in the last couple of days, it's been rough because you feel like, man, if I struggle with this, like how am I supposed to lead? How am I supposed to impact other people to follow Jesus and to love him if I'm struggling? And so there's been this distance between you and the Lord and it's been because of that shame. Because you feel like, well, if I'm struggling, if I'm wrestling, then like I'm not a good Christian. And I can't approach him because I'm not good. I'm not on fire, if you will. And I just feel like there just needs to be a moment when you come, come back to him. 
And I just want you to imagine Jesus with open arms, with not an ounce of judgment on his face. And he grabs your face. He says, I'm proud of you. I'm not ashamed of you. You're not less than. You're human, just the way I made you. And I'm teaching you how to believe for more. I'm teaching you how to believe for more. Jesus, I thank you for this woman right here. And ultimately for her courage. I think she's seen some things. She's walked through some things. And she's been journeying for a long time, just like those Israelites. She's been walking through hard roads and trying roads. And some of it, in some seasons, hasn't even been trying. It's just been persevering. It's just been the, the keep going, like the unction to just keep going and to just keep walking. And it's like she's had all this journey behind her and she's come to this crossroads when she's about to deep dive into the promise. And I just see her like on the edge, almost like a canyon. And she can see over below her into the promised land. She can see into the camp and she can see how good it is. She can see the the lushness of what you've provided. She can see the joy and the blessing she can see it and almost taste it. But then she sees the giants. She sees the the tall creatures that just evoke such fear. It's like they're just squashing every ounce of joy that she once had. And now in place of that, in, in place of excitement and enthusiasm and passion... Now she just feels terrified. (laughs) Like she wants to run back faster than what she did before. Like she's going backwards and she's just going to like zip through it. Zip Zip through the journey backwards. But Lord, we declare that she's standing still. You are standing still where you are, firm on the promises of God. You are not retreating. You are not giving up. You are not sidestepping and going around. You are not compromising. You will lay hold of the promised land. You will lay hold of your calling. You will lay hold of the assignment that God has on your life right now. You will fulfill the command that he has given you. The people that he has called you to steward in this season. You will. Jesus, we pray that you would point out the giants in her promised land. And even if they are very realistic oppositional forces, if it's finances, time, other priorities, people, self-sabotage, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, maybe that's part of it. We pray that you would point out exactly what those giants are. Name them, Jesus. Jesus. Show them exactly, pinpoint it to the 
like the millimeter of the belief that has been rooted in her heart, the fear that has been rooted in her heart. And just like a sniper, Lord, we ask that you would, you would literally pierce through, you would defeat it with your truth. And we ask that it would be the rhema word of God. So we ask right now that you would give her a rhema word, make a scripture come alive to her in such a profound way that it actually drops authority into her spirit. Right now, Jesus, we ask that you would bring her a scripture. Call it to mind. I want you to say that scripture out loud right now. Even if you have to whisper it because you're in public, I get how that is. But say it. And if you can quote the scripture, quote it. Jesus, we are in full agreement with what your word says. And we know that it has come out of your mouth and it is now coming out of our mouths. And so we declare that your truth reigns. That fear doesn't win. That the enemy doesn't win any longer in this situation. We declare that you, your authority rules and reigns and you will devour the enemy in this situation. Father, I thank you that you are, gone, that you are going before us. That you are defeating the enemy on our behalf. And we get to take part in that victory to slay him. Jesus, we ask that there would be a greater sense of power and authority in this season for this woman. That she feels uh, like she has this boldness and this tenacity back to fight for the thing that you called her to fight for. Father, we pray that you would give her plans and strategies of how to get into the promised land that she didn't have before. I feel like there's been this empty sense, like almost like a map that um, there was a, a path to get to where you needed to go. But then all of a sudden it disappeared and you were like, um, what next? I'm not really sure how I just know that the X marks the spot, but I don't know how to get there. And I feel like the Lord is is like unraveling that and he's showing you plans and strategies that you didn't have even a month ago, even a week ago. And the Lord is telling you, okay, you didn't know to do this, but now you know to do this exact thing. There are phone calls you need to make, plans that you need to make. Um, uh, there's books that you need to read. There's specific plans that the Lord is like, do this and it will give you your way through. And I will show you how to infiltrate the camp. Jesus, we thank you that you are giving specific plans and strategies to show us how to walk through the things you called us to. We pray for a persevering faith that is unwavering. A faith that makes it through even these hard times. These times when we doubt the most. Jesus, we thank you that you are the one who gives us clarity. You give us rest for our souls. Father, I pray that you would give this woman right now a rest in her heart that she hasn't had for a very long time. And you've been in this self-protection, um, you were in this stagnant place, and now that you're like, okay, I'm coming back, and I feel like I'm working really hard now, but you're still tired. And you've still got that, um, I don't know, it's almost like when you get back into the gym and you go hard for a couple days and you realize how exhausted you are because your body isn't used to it. And Lord, we just pray for that rest for her, that she would just she would just have this heavenly rest that provides a space for her heart and her soul to take a deep breath, because we know that she needs that rest in order to fight the way that she's called to. We thank you, Jesus, that you are encouraging her like you have never encouraged her before. We pray that she would know that she's made for this battle, 
And just because she's facing an idol doesn't mean that she's wrong. Doesn't mean that she's a lesser Christian. It means that you've called her to be a warrior. And so we thank you, Jesus, that this woman is a warrior. She's a woman of valor. She's a woman of strength. She's a woman of authority. She's a woman who knows your word. She is a woman who's not afraid to take down the enemy. So we declare all of these things. The word that you have given us to breathe life and purpose. We declare that right now in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. We pray all of this by the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So. That was a broadcast for the one desperate for encouragement. And I hope that you were encouraged as you walk away from this. So if this blessed you, if this empowered you, if this encouraged you, I would love to hear. You can drop a, a rating and a review on the uh, on the podcast platform, wherever you're listening from. You can send me a direct message, whatever. I don't know, just whatever you feel comfortable with. So I love you all so much. I can't wait to talk again soon. We'll see what else Jesus talks to me about because... I know every time it's like a rhema word. It truly is. Whatever Jesus has, I just start diving into. So I love you all so much. I am truly praying for you. And again, if you want to download those show notes and go through it with a little bit of organization, you can go to lauradudak.com backslash for the one. Talk to you again soon. Bye.